Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Well, good morning. How are we? You know, I walk in here about, it was probably 15 minutes prior to the service, and I looked around, and there was nobody here. And I thought, this is the week. <laughs> oh, this is the week that nobody comes back. So thank you for showing back up. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see all of you. It's great to see your smiling faces. For those of you worshiping online, thank you so much for, for tuning in. We miss you. We can't wait for you to get to worship with us again soon. So I think there's a handful of things that we all have in common, uh, one, of which, one of which those things that we all share in common this morning is that I think we all want to be successful in life. Would you agree? Yes? Right? I, I don't know very many people who would say, no, Logan, I'm not interested in being successful in life. I, don't, I just don't know. I haven't met that person yet, uh, so I don't know that they exist. We all want to be successful. We all want to win at life, and so whether that's, uh, you know, through work, school, home life, life in general, we all want to win. But I want to share a secret with you this morning on that. Success is tough. Like managing success is incredibly difficult. It's difficult today, and it was tough for the Jews living in Jerusalem uh, several hundred years ago. But what we're going to see today is that God's people have finished the wall. It's pretty cool. So we're really turning the corner this morning as we actually get to see them finish the wall. The physical structure is going to go up. They are done. And that's a huge milestone in the life of the people of God living in Jerusalem. And so what we're going to look at this morning is how do we manage our success in life? So whether it's work or home or school, church life, how do we, how do you and I manage the success that we get to experience on this earth? With that being said, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, I think Nehemiah does a good job helping us see how do we manage success. We're going to finish out chapter 6, and then we're actually jumping into chapter 7 this morning. We're going to go through uh, chapter 7, verse 4. So, Nehemiah 6, 15 through 7, 4. You begin reading with me in verse 15. The text says, so, we, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. Notice that, 52 days. And when all of our enemies have heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and they fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah. And his son, Johanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in the presence, and in my presence, and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are standing guard, let them shut the bar and the doors 
Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in the front of their own homes. For the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. And notice this, no houses had been rebuilt. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So I think there's at least five things that we can learn from the story and life of Nehemiah here in Jerusalem. The answering the question, how do we manage success? Well, the first one is this. The first one is we've got to live with a big view of God. We always need to be asking ourselves, how big is our God? And so let me ask you this morning, how big is your God? Do you worship a small God or do you worship a big God? I want you to remember something from verse one. Sure, they finished the wall. Man, a huge milestone, but I want you to remember where they've been and where they've come from. You've got to remember that this is a group of people who had experienced uh, a complete defeat over the Babylonian army. The Babylonian army had come in, wiped them out. They were living in exile, and it was through God's power under the leadership of Nehemiah that he brought all of the people back together to rebuild the wall. It was God's power that brought, him, brought them together. And so when everyone, including their enemies, and you know what, maybe even themselves, thought that, hey, this is mission impossible, God came through. But not only did they succeed, they accomplished this task in just 52 days. What did you think about that? 52 days it took them to rebuild the wall. This, this, build, or this, this wall that seemed like there's no way that we could ever do this, and it took them 52 days. I want you to notice that it was just under six months from the time that Nehemiah received his call and and served in the king Artaxerxes in Persia. It was just under six months from his calling to the time he arrived in Jerusalem to the time that they had finished building the wall. So just under six months. Church, how big is our God? How big is your God? You know, I think when God is big in our lives, I was thinking about this this week, When God is big in our lives, when we serve a big God, our attitude changes from a we can't to a why not, doesn't it? When God is big in our lives, we change our attitude changes from a we can't to a he he can kind of attitude, and I think there's a reason why. You see it in Isaiah 14, chapter 20, or verses 24 through 27. I want you to read the, or listen to this text. It should be on the screen. It says that the Lord of hosts has sworn As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land and on the mountains trample him underfoot. His yoke shall depart from them and his burden from their shoulder. The Lord says, this is the purpose that I purposed concerning the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all of the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Listen, church, we serve a God whose will cannot be thwarted. We serve a God who is so big that there is nothing that can come between God and his will for our good and for our joy. Psalm 138, verse 8, it's a great, great verse of I've repeated it and preached it to myself often, and David tells us, he says, that the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for our church, and there is nothing, nothing that will come between him and his will for you, for me, and for our church. We serve a big God. 
So if we want to manage success, we need to have a big view of God. But number two, we need to learn to walk humbly with God. You'll see that in verse 16. The text says, And when all of our enemies heard of our success, all the nations around us were afraid, and they fell greatly in their own esteem. Why is that? For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with their hard work, with their grit, with their determination, with their white-knuckled discipline. No, with the help of God. But everybody around them looked at Israel and said, hey, this was an impossible task. There's no humanly way possible that they could have accomplished this task apart from the help of Almighty God. We ought to never forget where our strength comes from. If we want to manage success, we've got to understand where true strength, true power comes from. And guys, this is one of the most, this is probably the greatest underdog story of all time. I want you to think about it, right? But here's the other thing. It's also, success is also where succeeding can give way to defeat. King Uzziah is a great example of that. Maybe you recall that story of King Uzziah. Y'all remember King Uzziah was 16. Think about this. He was 16 when God called him to be the king of Israel. I don't know that my parents trusted me to drive my, my vehicle out of the driveway when I was 16, much less much less lead an entire country, 16 years old. And guess what he did? He followed God's leadership and vision for the people in return. God blessed him immensely. Until the text says in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 15, it says, his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped. Hear this, till he was strong. For when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Managing success is hard. We ought to never forget again where our strength comes from. And I think oftentimes in the West, we can forget that, right? We, we live with that just pick myself up by my bootstraps kind of people. And man, listen, that's a great thing. Discipline's a great thing. Hard work's a great thing. But let us not ever forget where our success comes from in life. Let us never forget that our success, the, the houses that we occupy, the, the food that we eat, the food that's on our table, the cars in our garage, the, the bed where we lay down at night, let us never forget where those things come from. They are a blessing from the Lord to be received, not to be earned. Let us never forget that those who come to Christ and experience freedom from sin is God's gracious gift to you and to me this morning. And so no matter what kind of success we have, no matter what kind of success we hope to experience in life, let us be a church like Jerusalem who understand that our success is because of the help of our God, because of his steadfast love is why you and I experience success. And so if we want to manage success, we've got to have a big view of God. We've got to live humbly before him. But then number three, we need to walk with God, not against him. Walk with God, not against him. You know, when I was a kid, I have fond memories of summer months. I don't know if, if you can relate to that, but man, on, during the summer, school's out, and man, I, I, I just longed for those days where I could be outside, and I would be out from sun up to sundown playing hard. We'd have pickup games of football, neighborhood uh, hide-and-seek, and, and, and we loved it so much so that we never even wanted to go inside just to get a drink. And so it never fails. We would go to the side of the house, turn on the spigot of, uh, of the water hose, and, and I would wait for that cool, nasty water to come out of, that, out of that hose. And the funny thing is, is it never seemed to work. 
And so I would trace it back, and I would realize that there was a kink in the hose. Well, oftentimes, we, can too, we too can become a kink in the hose, can't we? You know, let me elaborate on this. The people of Israel, they had extreme success. We've learned that they finished the wall in just under 52 days, but it didn't come without challenges. It wasn't all uh, rainbows. Facts, verses 17 and 18, they say this. In those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Why is that? Because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son, Johanna, had taken the, doctor, the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world does all that mean, all those names? And yes, I think I pronounced them all right, but you can be the judge of that. But what does all this mean? Well, you have to remember, right before Nehemiah shows up in Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, Ezra, the, the priest, had actually gathered up the remnant of people there in Jerusalem, and they rebuilt the temple. So the temple was rebuilt before uh, Nehemiah ever showed back up to Jerusalem. And when they were consecrating the temple over to the Lord, Nehemiah, I'm sorry, Ezra preached a series of sermons. And one of those sermons was over Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. Anybody have that memorized? That was funny. You can laugh. That was funny. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. And that was uh, God commanding his people to not intermarry. Said, hey, don't, don't marry with the surrounding nations with our enemies. Why is that? Right? To keep them holy, to keep them set apart. But what did the people do? They intermarried. Right? What do we do? God says this, what do we do? We do the complete opposite thing. What did you do when you were a kid? Dad says this, what do you do? I'm going to do the, same, do the complete opposite thing. Well, the people of Israel found themselves in a very similar place. They married outside of Israel, but here's the point. The people in Judah became a kink in the work of God because they failed to respect God's word and his authority over their lives. And so instead of living apart from the surrounding culture, hear this, they married it. They married it. They married the culture. So point in case, we become a kink in the work of God when we do at least these three things. You ready? Three things. Number one, we become a kink in the work of God when we marry the culture. See, God's calling on our lives is that we would look drastically different than the culture, right? That we would have something to offer the culture, that they would see our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and they would say, man, I want to be a part of that community. I want what they have. But instead, we oftentimes marry the culture, we look just like it, and we have nothing to offer an unbelieving people. Number two, we become a kink in the work of God when we love lesser things than Christ himself. I want you to hear that. We become a kink in the work of God when we love lesser things than Christ himself. So when we love our, our homes, when we love our, our cars, our money in the bank, our comfort, our approval, our power, our authority, you name it. When we love these lesser things more than Christ himself, we become a kink in the work of God. Number three. We become a kink in the work of God when we love ourselves more than the people that Christ gave himself up for. You have to remember that Christ came for the world. John 3.16, one of the first passages I'm sure many of you memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God came and he gave his life for the world. 
So when we fail to love, him, love them the way that he has called us and the way that he loves them, we become a kink in the work of God. So if we want to manage success, we've got to have a big view of God, right? We've got to learn to walk humbly with him. Number three, we have got to, we've got to work with God, not against him. But then number four, number four, we need to harness true strength. We need to understand where true power, true strength comes from. In verse three, Nehemiah, he appoints guards to guard the city gates, to guard the gates, to guard the doors. And I want you to notice who he, who he appoints to do that work. Notice, look there at verse 3. What does it say? It's the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites. Who are those people? It's the spiritual leaders of Israel. And you might be thinking, I know I was thinking, I was, I, I was reading through here, and no offense to my fine arts folks, my wife is one of them, but I'm thinking, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that I want fine arts folks guarding the gates. Like, I want some big soldiers, army folks. Like, I want, I want big, bold, maybe a gun, a spear. I don't know, but I want those folks guarding the gates. But that's not what Nehemiah does. He appoints the spiritual leaders to guard the gates. And here's the reason why. Because guarding the gates was ultimately related to restoring the worship within the city gates. You maybe recall from our first or second week of Nehemiah, we talked about that the walls being down were a symptom of a far greater problem. It was a heart problem. It was an inside, an inner part problem. See, they had been content living apart from God, living apart from his word. And so Nehemiah's objective is not just the physical structure, but also building the spiritual structure of their lives. And so while, yes, physical strength is of some value, physical strength will fail every time against our enemy. Every time. Every time. True strength is shaped by the fire, forged in the valleys, and it is sustained by hearts dependent on Him and Him alone. Listen, what we need as a church, what what we need more than anything else, our hearts in love with God Surrender to him and in his will and saying, okay, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm all in. Right, when we're talking about being all in, that's what we're talking about, right? When we're all in with God, it's saying, you know what, God, there's some times where I don't understand your will. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand what's going on in my life or with the world. I mean, just look at the news, right? I don't, I, I don't understand any of that, but you know what, Lord, I'm just going to submit my life over to you and I'm going to trust you because I just believe that you know better than I do. So I'm going to give my life over to you. Which leads us to point number five. Point number five, my final point is this, that if we want to manage success well, then we need to set our minds to never arrive. We need to be a people whose mindsets are set to never arrive. In verse four, the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and there were no houses that had been rebuilt. So the, the physical structure on the outside of Jerusalem is rebuilt, the temple's rebuilt, but the homes had still, they still had work to do. They still had work to do. The most successful people, I don't know if you know this or not, but the most successful people in the world have the mindset that they've just never arrived. You know, a few months ago, I watched a documentary, maybe some of you have seen it, but it's called The Man in the Arena. It's about Tom Brady, great documentary series, but uh, over the course of his interviews, one of the reporters asked him, they said, well, well, Tom, how do you manage success after winning so many Super Bowls? I thought this was brilliant. You know what he said? He goes, there's always something to work on, 
Always something to get better at. Always something to achieve. Man, what a great attitude. The belief that there's always something to work on, always something to get better, always taking that next, door, next step towards God, next step towards one another, next step for the community and for the world. We have to be a people who never arrive until Jesus takes us back or we stand in his presence, we will never arrive at the final goal. Let's be a people who set our minds, who set our hearts on being those folks who say, you know what, God, I'm just going to continue every day. I'm going to take another step towards you. I'm going to take another step towards you. And I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I've received that diagnosis. I don't know why my kids are acting like they are. I don't know why the world is, 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 is broken, but you know what? I'm going to take a step towards you, and I'm just going to continue to trust you, and I'm going to keep putting my faith in you. Listen, so the, the fun thing about where we are in Nehemiah is we're, we're finishing up uh, chapter 6. Now, we finished the wall, but here's what's neat about the next couple of weeks, and I want to share that with you, is we've been talking kind of about the physical structure of the walls over the next couple of weeks, however, we're going to be talking about building the spiritual walls of our lives as well. And so we're actually kind of taking a turn, and I'm really excited about that because what we're really going to do is we're going to start talking about, man, what does it really look like to be all in with God? How do I do that? Right? How do I, how do I relate to Him? How do I know Him? How do I know that I uh, that, that I'm saved. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a whole lot about what it looks like for us as a church to continue to move forward being all in. And so I'm excited to share those things with you over the next couple of weeks. But until then, here's what I want to do. I want to spend some time in congregational prayer. So if, if, if you're in this room, I want you to, to close your eyes, bow your head, and I want us just to go to the Lord and just ask, praise Him, ask, surrender. <clears throat> And just take a deep breath, just pause and just praise God. Just take a few minutes and just thank the Lord that we serve a big God who is alive, who's active, and that there is nothing that can stop his good and perfect will for you and for our lives. Just take a few minutes and just praise him for that, acknowledge that. Just take a few minutes and just confess any areas where we have allowed ourselves to limit God and His will, His will for our lives, but also His will for our church. Maybe there's some areas in your life where you have found yourself being a kink in the hose, so to speak, of God's work. Take some time and just ask the Lord, God, show me what... Where are some places of disobedience in my heart? Where are some places where I need to confess and surrender to you? And then ask him, 
ask God to give you a big view of him. Say, God, I just, I want a big view of you. God, be big in our life. Help us walk humbly before you. Ask him to to show you how to work with him, set our hearts on him and him alone. I want you just to surrender the work over to God. Ask God, God, lead us, guide us, establish the work of our hands according to your goodwill. I invite the worship team to come on up as we conclude in prayer. God, we we need you this morning the world needs you this morning God I just pray that you would come God I pray that you would come this morning and change our hearts God help us to love you with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind with all of our strength God, you say all that's required is the faith of a mustard seed. And so, Lord, I pray that you would expand our faith. Pray that you would expand our borders. God, I pray that you would set our eyes on you and you alone. Father, our world needs you. And I pray, God, that you would break through the darkness. God, I pray for all of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and surrounding countries. God, I just pray that you would just be with them. Your presence would be near to them. God, in the comfort of this room, help us to never forget, God, that they're a part of our family too. God, I pray that you would move within our church. I I pray, God, that, that God, that you would push us to more of you, to take another step towards you every day, Lord, I pray that we would do that, to take another step toward one another for our community and for this world. God, help us to have a big view of you. Help us to walk humbly with you. Help us, God, to work with you, not against you in your mission to reconcile the world to yourself. God, help us to never forget where true strength comes from. It's from you and from your power and your power alone. And so, Lord, we just ask for your help this morning. For those who are sick, God, I pray healing. God, for those who are far from you, I pray that you would bring them near. God, for those who are discouraged, I pray, God, that you would help them to lift up their eyes to see you, that you are worthy of, your, of their worship. So, Father, we just ask that you would come. Father, we need you. And we just surrender our lives, we surrender our future, we surrender our church to you, we surrender this world to you, Father, for you are in control. God, give us boldness where necessary. Keep us holy. 
May we run the race that is set before us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank y'all so much for serving in that capacity. I mean, we could not do what we do without y'all. So listen, thank you for all of the folks who work behind the scenes, who serve in the worship team and choir. And man, we are so grateful for you. If you have a desire, if you feel like God's calling you to serve in any of those capacities, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, taking uh, you know photographs at different events and different things like that, we would love to connect you. If you want to sing in the choir, these guys would love to talk with you about that or worship team. So uh, we want you to be have the avenue to be all in with with our church, and so that's a great way to do that. Uh, listen, a couple of announcements real quick, quick before we wrap up this morning. Number one is we've got a business meeting next Sunday at 4.30. We'll do that in the small sanctuary. So if, if you're able and you're willing, man, we would love to see you in the small sanctuary at 4.30 next Sunday. We need to deal with some business so that we can get going. Um, and then, so that's, that's number one. Number two, um, youth have D-Now next weekend. Uh, yeah, we're excited about that. We have over 100 students who are going to be a part of that. And so please be in prayer for Brad and Miriam as they are, uh, are doing all of the stuff behind the scenes and making that thing happen. It's going to be a great weekend. I would just ask that uh, you would be in prayer for them um, as far as kiddos that are going to be uh, attending. Uh, for those who do not know Christ, maybe this is a great weekend for them to come to know him. Uh, for those who just, you know, they just need a refreshed view of God. Maybe that's, uh, you know, they're just discouraged and, and just need some encouragement. That would be a great weekend for that as well. Please pray for all of the volunteers. I don't know how many homes we have, but I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, to house 100 students, that's a, that's a lot of homes. So uh, please be in prayer for those folks that their houses won't get destroyed um, and, and everything will go well there. Um, so again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Um, for shoulder to shoulder, my wife's telling me shoulder to shoulder. What about it? Oh, there's sign-ups for shoulder to shoulder on your e-bulletin. If you want to be a part of shoulder to shoulder, please sign up for that as well. Thanks, babe. Always keeping me in line. Um, listen, we, were, we talked about success this morning. Um, but here's the real win, right? So we could talk about success all we want. But until we've taken that step to be all in with Christ... Um, success it looks very different. Uh, and so if you're in this room and you have never said yes to Christ, you've never taken that step, you've never experienced that win, I would love to invite you to do that today. I would love to talk with you. Our team out, out here in Connection Central, just right out these doors, would love to talk to you about that. If you want to join our church, we would also love to talk with you about that. There's many other ways that you're going to see over the next couple of days or next couple of weeks that you can serve. So if you're interested in that, they would love to talk with you about that as well. So again, so thank you for, for, for joining us this morning to worship. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.